Well, welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast. After uh, Purdue's 80-68 win over uh, West Virginia and the Phil Knight legacy out in Portland, Oregon. And uh, my computer clock tells me it's 318. That's Eastern time, 1218 out here on the West Coast. But regardless, it's it's late or early, uh, depending on your uh, uh, point of view. Uh, or where you're living. Uh, but anyway, let's try to recap what happened and look ahead to Friday's uh, matchup against uh, Gonzaga. Uh, Purdue got out to a really good start, 9 nothing. fed the ball to Zach, had a three-pointer from Boyer, kind of set the tone. I mean, Purdue led from start to finish in this game and had leads ranging from 8 to 10 to 12 points. The, the, the game was played in that uh, range a lot. Um you know, produce turnovers, cause problems for themselves. Um, you know, in West Virginia, this not a strong outside shooting team. They were five of twenty-two from three-point range, and those are numbers that Purdue fans can sympathize with because Purdue was two for nineteen in one game and just was shooting twenty-eight percent coming into uh, this game from the field. So, uh, but Purdue got some three-pointers to go, and there were. Uh, a handful of just big shots that Purdue made in this game, along with the hustle plays that really defined uh, why Purdue won this game. But the, the, the big shots came from Mason Gillis at the end of the first half uh, when Purdue um, had, had maintained its lead throughout uh, that first half. But uh, West Virginia had went on a, a little 5 nothing run, but Gillis hit a 3 toward the end of the first half, and, you know, Purdue was in uh, good shape at halftime, 43-32. And then you go to the second half. Um, Brandon Newman hit a big three. Uh, it started with a steal um, on the other end and ended with him uh, hitting a three that gave Purdue a 12-point lead with about 13 minutes to go. And then they had their biggest lead then, Moments later, when Trey Kaufman Wren scored to make it uh, 57 to 43. Um, and then the other big shot uh, was Braden Smith's three pointer after West Virginia had cut it to uh, four. And then Smith, you know, took a pass for Morton, one of his nine assists, and hit the three from the corner. And that started an 8 0 run that also included. A huge hustle play by Braden Smith, where Zach Eady had blocked the blocked the shot. It was headed out of bounds on the sideline, but Smith kind of punched the ball to the other end, similar to how I compared it to icing in hockey, where you just throw the puck down at the other end of the floor, uh, other end of the rink, and you know it's kind of a power play type of situation where you don't get penalized for icing the puck when you're uh, when you're down a man. And I, I don't know that much about hockey, but I think I I summed that up correctly. I, I may be wrong, and if I offended any hockey people out there, uh, I apologize. But that was a huge hustle play. Uh, and then earlier in the half, Mason Gillis appeared to like slide like 10 feet on the floor to get a ball, a uh, loose ball that he – Ended up getting to Ethan Morton, who got fouled and hit two free throws, and Purdue had its 10-point lead back. And then Morton struck again later in the game. Uh, Purdue was up 
Uh, I think uh, Purdue was up uh, 11 at the time, and uh, there was a scrum. Uh, Morton came out with the ball, and he called a timeout, and uh, Purdue was able to eventually score off that possession. So uh, lots of hustle plays tonight. And, you know, as I wrote uh, in my story on jconline.com, you know, Purdue has a lot of shortcomings. I mean, this is not a perfect team. This is a team that doesn't have an NBA lottery pick. You know, this is a team that uh, struggles right now to, to take care of the ball, even though they did against Marquette, but they didn't tonight uh, against West Virginia. And they've had other games where they, they've struggled to take care of the ball. That's they, a team of really good shooters, but it hasn't clicked yet. And, you know, we're only four games in, so there's still a lot of time left. But it's also a team that hasn't – or a team that's been inconsistent in the rebounding department. Uh, but tonight they, they, they held their own. Uh, so they, they have shortcomings. And this is not a perfect team. This is not a, you know, a team that is um, like last year's team where, you know, you had a collection of players that uh, were, were just kind of better than everybody else at times. And, you know, now they don't have that. I mean, they have good, solid players. But the hustle plays – come into factor at that point where you get those loose balls. You know, I know the, the score ended up 12, but, you know, if you don't get some of those loose balls, a lead of six becomes four or three. A lead of five becomes three or two. Um, and then it's it's kind of a different game. So, you know, I, I, you know, Painter has always prided his teams on doing these things, getting the loose balls, hustling, getting on the floor. Uh, I was going through the AP wire looking for pictures, and there were two pictures of Purdue players. One, Braden Smith, on the floor, going after a loose ball. And the other one's Caleb First, on the floor, going after a loose ball. So those, those little things do add up, and I do think what Purdue is doing here uh, early in the season from that standpoint should serve them well uh, throughout the the course of the season doesn't mean they're going to win every game because they won't, and it doesn't mean that um, they're going to get on the floor every single time. But they're doing enough right now in that area to to help them win. And as they continue to win, or they continue to play well, those things pay off down the line, in my opinion. You know, Painter's always teach, taught this. This has always been part of what he wanted his program to be about. And uh, right now we're seeing the, the tangible evidence of that. Not, not that last year's team didn't do it or the year before didn't do it. it. It just seems like this year's team is doing it more frequently. And it's, it's, a, it, it's a collection of players that are doing it. It's not just one, not just two. Um, everybody's getting on the floor, you know, trying to make a play and trying to save a possession, trying to keep a possession going instead of just letting letting the possession go uh, to the other team. So they, they should get a lot of credit for their hustle um, and a lot of credit for their determination right now. The other areas of the game have to come together, and they, you know, they will. Uh, you know, they do have to shoot the ball better. Uh, they do have to take care of the ball. 
because uh, you know they're going to play Gonzaga and they'll they'll feast on the turnovers and take more advantage of it. And they're you know Gonzaga's going to be a better shooting team than West Virginia. Uh, they're going to do things a whole lot better than West Virginia in a lot of areas, but they don't have they don't have Zach Eady. Um, and you know I, I thought what hurt Zach tonight, and he ended up with twenty four points and twelve rebounds. But I thought what hurt Zach tonight is he was not able to get his normal position deep on the block. You know he was pushed out a little bit more, where he was taking more hook shots than he normally does. Um, you know, once he buries a guy on the block, then it's pretty much over. But I thought a lot of his shots came from uh, the middle of the lane instead of deeper. Now, he, you know, I, he shot the ball well. 7 of 12, we've seen him do better, but 7 of 12, but a lot of those came from farther away from the basket than what we've what we've seen this year. So he um, he's going to have to work on getting better position and getting the ball inside to him. Um, but even, you know, Painter said he had an average game. But, I, you know, I thought Zach got him off to a good start, got him going early. Uh, and West Virginia really didn't have anybody to match up with him. And um, Gonzaga will. Drew Tim- Timmy is, uh, can match up with him, but he's a different kind of big than what Zach is. So each, each of those players have their own advantage. Uh, you know, Zach's going to have to end up guarding him a little bit. Or do they flip? Do they flip a four on him uh, in this game to try to slow him down? Because he, he he gets a lot of his buckets in transition as a trailer, as Gonzaga pushes the ball up the floor. You know, many times he'll get the ball at the top of the key, either unleash a three, put the ball on the floor, uh, and try to beat you off the dribble. Uh, I, I can see him, you know, really going after Zach uh, and attacking him and putting trying to put him in uncomfortable. Uh, positions, but you know, on the other end, they've got to guard Zach. They've got to, they've got to find a way to get him off the block, uh, and you, you know, and, and I think West Virginia did a good job of doing that. But they also did a good job of pressuring the perimeter and pressuring pre- pressuring the guards to make it difficult to get the ball into him. So I think we'll see more of that uh, this weekend, uh, regardless of who play Purdue plays on Sunday. But I think we'll see more of that this weekend, and you're going to see more of that throughout the season because, you know, that's how uh, teams are going to have to uh, play Purdue to try to limit Zach's touches inside. But, you know, tonight I really thought the front line for stretches really carried Purdue. That's that's Zach, and that's Mason Gillis, that's Caleb First, that's Trey Kaufman-Wren. I think they combined for 49 points. Um, you know, there were – there were stretches there where first and Kaufman Run were on the floor, and it, w- it was a productive lineup. Um, and I think you'll see more of that as the season goes on. Uh, you know, Trey Kaufman hit, hit hit a three tonight. That's his first one. Um, and I, you know, he's got to take more uh, because I, I really think that him and first, from a perimeter standpoint, can put defenses in a bind because uh, bigs just don't come out and guard that. Uh, and one of those guys is going to be the five when he's in the game, when they're in the game and Zach's on the bench. So, um, you know, they've, you know, the, the Purdue still has some advantages, I think, uh, in every game that they play based on the lineups that they can, they can put out there. But, you know, Caleb first has been pretty good off the bench so far with his energy, uh, his ability to, to rebound. Uh, you know, his numbers are not going to jump out at you, but it's the, the hustle plays. It's the, uh, it's the rebounds, it's keeping plays alive that has really 
um, uh, allowed him to stand out, I think, in the first uh, four games. And I think, you know, Trey Kaufman runs, runs going to get, get more comfortable. Uh, he, he seems just playing just a little bit too fast at times, but, you know, I think, I think he'll, he'll settle in and really become a force uh, for this team, whether he's playing the four or the five. And the more that he can hit that three-point shot is really going to uh, challenge teams to decide what to, what to do with him. So I think Purdue's front line is kind of moving in the right direction uh, right now. Um, as I said, three-point shooting was better. They were 8 of 17 uh, tonight. You know, Brian Waddell had a couple nice assists, one to Edie on a dunk, the other one to Trey Kaufman to Wren. You know, I thought he gave them good minutes, uh, even though the plus-minus on the stat sheet was minus three. I really didn't understand that. But I thought he gave him good minutes. I, you know, I thought you know Purdue played its normal allotment, and I, you know, I think there were good comp- contributions across the board. Mason Gillis, you know, he talked about him, but he, you know, he, he scores 14 points on four of five field goal attempts. That means he got he got to the line, he hit some threes, uh, and that's how he becomes a really efficient player. Uh, he had a couple steals in, in 24 minutes, uh, and that's you know I've always said that. Uh, produce a better team with Mason on the floor. Now he's, you know, he struggled a little bit in the early going of this season, but you know tonight was a big game and he and he stood out in a big game. And that's that's experience. You know, that's the kind of guy that can really help you win a game like they did tonight with all the things that he does on rebounding, on defense, uh, the hustle plays, as we you know as I mentioned. So uh, a lot of contributions across the board uh, from everybody, and that's how this. You know that's how this team is is going to be. It's not going to lean on, you know, it's going to lean on Zach in in certain situations, but it's you know it's going to be across the board. It's going to be they're going to need contributions across the board. They can't sit back and let you know they don't have Jade Ivy. They can't sit back and let a player just kind of um, you know try to get thirty. Uh, you know, but you know they'll play through Zach as they as they normally do. You know, he had six turnovers tonight. So he's got to clean that up. And, you know, Purdue was a little bit better defensively um, in some areas. Uh, but, you know, they, they forced – or West Virginia had 12 turnovers, but Purdue had 18. So they lost uh, that battle there uh, a little bit. But, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity now with Gonzaga uh, as the next opponent. Um, in you know, Purdue's going to get out of Oregon playing three power five uh, programs, and that that can only help their NCAA tournament resume as we get deeper into the season. You know, you're going to beat West Virginia, which will win some games in the Big 12, and you got Gonzaga, which you know they're going to win a bunch of games just because they do every year. And then, regardless of what happens Friday, they're going to play either Duke or Xavier, either in the championship or the third place game. Uh, on Sunday. And by the way, uh, the championship game on Sunday is at 3.30 Eastern time, and the third place game is at 7.30 Eastern time. So just so you can plan your Sunday if you're going to uh, watch uh, Purdue basketball. So those are the two times that they would play uh, on Sunday. But, you know, Gonzaga will be an enormous test um, just because of the style that they play and um, the, ty- the kind of players that they have. Um, so, you know, we'll see who can oppose whose will on each other. You know, Purdue wants to 
you know, play through Zach and we'll, you know, uh, will Gonzaga let them play through Zach and, you know, Purdue needs its perimeter shooting in this game to be uh, better than what it's been. It was a step forward Friday or Thursday, but um, it probably needs to be a little bit better uh, coming up and all the things that Purdue needs to do, they, you know, can't have 18 turnovers on, uh, on, on Friday. You just, you just can't. You know, Purdue will lose the game if they have 18 turnovers. They'll be surprised if they win the game if they have 18 turnovers. But, you know, the rebounding has to be good. Um, you know, Purdue was really good at the free throw line, 24-28. Uh, they only took 47 shots in part because of the 18 turnovers, but they also got fouled uh, a whole lot. And they, they were able to take advantage of that. So things kind of came, came together for Purdue. But, you know, to me, the things that stood out were the hustle plays, um, how they continued to, to fight for those, for those loose balls. And I, I think that made a, a big difference. And then there were three shots there, I thought, that were big in the game that uh, helped Purdue win that. And they're going to need a little bit more of that against uh, Gonzaga. Now, tip-off for that game is 11.30 Eastern time. Uh, so you might want to get a nap in uh, before that game if you're, if you're going to watch it. Uh, so, yeah, a late, a late, late night uh, uh, for, for Purdue, but uh, a great opportunity uh, for them to try to match up against one of the nation's top programs uh, and one of the nation's top teams. Purdue has been trying to get something organized with Gonzaga for a lot of years, whether it be a home and home or getting involved in a tournament in some fashion, or, you know, one of these one day, two game things where Purdue would play Gonzaga, somebody else would play somebody else. So Purdue's, yeah, and Gonzaga has been receptive to it. So something may happen down the line in that regard, but you know, for now they get, they get to match up. And I think uh, next year in Maui, I think Gonzaga is in, in Maui next year. So Purdue might get another opportunity to play them uh, uh, next year. But uh, it's one of those games that, you know, I think a lot of people will pay attention to, uh, to see what the result is. You know, and this is a star-studded field out here uh, at the the Phil Knight Invitational and the Phil Knight Legacy. There's two different tournaments, Uh, you know, producing the bracket with Duke and uh, Gonzaga, you know, the, TV people obviously want Gonzaga and Duke playing in the finals, so we'll see if uh, if Purdue can uh, uh, disrupt the best laid plans uh, for what for what they want. But uh, I, I expect them to be competitive, and uh, it should be it should be a really good game. Uh, football on Saturday, I know we'll be back after tomorrow, but football is coming up Saturday. Uh, but you know Friday is a key day uh, for Purdue. Uh, if they have any chance of getting to the conference championship game, then Nebraska needs to beat Iowa. Um, and, and and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it. You know, Purdue should Purdue just should be satisfied with uh, winning a piece of the West. Uh, don't go playing the championship game, especially if it's Ohio State, and call it call it a year and be successful. Hang your banner, have your parade. Get your bonuses. Get you know. Get all that stuff. You know. You can celebrate winning the West without having the the bludgeon uh, game of the conference championship game. Especially if you're playing Ohio State. Now, if Purdue played Michigan, I think it'd be a closer game because of Michigan style. 
but Ohio State would put up a lot of points and a lot of yards. We all know the weaknesses of Purdue's defense is the secondary, and uh, Ohio State has NFL-caliber receivers, like could play right now in the NFL. So you, you can root for whoever you want Friday, but, you know, in the big picture of it all, you know, Purdue is better off not playing in that championship game. Go win the West, go win a piece of the West, go beat Indiana, keep the bucket, but then call it, call it a year after that and to get ready for your bowl game. And hopefully you have enough players to participate in that bowl game that can, that can help you either from an injury standpoint or, you know, they're going to have, you know, let me tell you right now, they're going to have some academic casualties that won't make it to the bowl game. And, you know, it's going to be similar. I think it's going to be similar to last year against Tennessee where a lot of people are going to be out. There'll be players that opt out. Uh, and there'll be players that just won't, won't be able to play because of uh, things they didn't do uh, in the classroom. So, uh, but anyway, if you want to root for Iowa or you want to root for Nebraska beat Iowa, go right ahead. Uh, but if I were you, I would just focus on Purdue winning on Saturday keep the bucket, get a piece of the West title, and, uh, you know, be happy that you don't go to the conference championship game. All right, well, thanks for uh, stopping by. Uh, it's now even later than what it was before, and that's what happens when you, you talk for 20 minutes and really don't say anything. Uh, all right, well, uh, thanks for stopping by, and we'll be back after the Gonzaga game to, to wrap up that one and look ahead to what may happen uh, uh, Sunday, whether it's the championship game or the third place game here at the Phil Knight Legacy in Portland, Oregon.